Welcome back to Sad Girl Study Guides. As always, I'm your host, Amelia Rush, and as always, I'm sad. This week, I'm sad because, well, COVID continues, and as it turns out, the decision that many state governors made to completely reopen their states and act like the virus doesn't exist was a terrible mistake. Cases in the United States are up to record highs. People are dying. It is terrible. I'm still in Chicago, and at least Illinois is seeing a slight decrease in cases because our governor continues to mandate that people wear masks when they go into public indoor spaces, and as it turns out, wearing a mask can help prevent COVID from spreading. Or at least, that's what the newest research tells us. So, if you're going to leave your house, wear a mask. It's not that hard, guys. Yes, I know, it's not that comfortable. I am developing acne on my chin and jawline from wearing a mask at all times. But a little bit of acne is better than making myself or other people sick. Plus, if you wear a mask, you can pretend like you're in some, like, post-apocalyptic society. And that's super rad and you can match them with your outfits. So that's my little PSA of not being a jerk. Wear your mask, stay safe, stay healthy. The other reason why I, the other reason why I'm sad is, well, I'm in Chicago. We're entering the summer. This morning, the humidity was at a lovely 90%. It was a nightmare. But enough about me. Let's talk about today's study guide subject, Nella Larson. Nella Larson only wrote two books in her lifetime, but despite that, she was one of the big literary stars of 1920s New York. And even though she only wrote two books, one of her books, Passing, helped kickstart a genre known as the tragic mulatto genre and, and had a huge influence on later books and movies. Nella Larson's story involves a global pandemic, physics, and possible plagiarism. Alliteration is fun, isn't it? Let's begin. Nella Larson was born April 13, 1891, in Chicago, Illinois. Her birth name was Nellie Walker. Nella's parents were Peter Walker and Mary Hansen. Her father, Peter, was a black cook from somewhere in the West Indies, and her mother, Mary, was a 22-year-old seamstress from Denmark. We basically have no information about her father beyond his name, his race, that he was black, and that he was a cook. Because the Walkers were a mixed-race family in the late 1800s, they faced a ton of discrimination, even though they lived in a northern, fairly progressive city. As a result, the only area in Chicago where they could find housing was the city's red light district. And soon after Nellie was born, her father straight up vanished. And soon after Peter vanished, her mother got remarried to a white man who also conveniently was also named Peter, this time Peter Larson. After this remarriage, Mary changed Nellie's name to Nella, hence Nella Larson. Mary and Peter Larson had another daughter, Anna, who according to the public records of the time 
was white. How, while we have public records about Anna Larson, we don't actually have any public records about Mary's marriage to Peter Larson, which has led to rumors that Peter Larson was maybe Peter Walker, and he had just changed his name and identity to deal with the racism at the time and to allow his family some upward mobility. If this was true, that would mean that Peter Walker would have had to be fairly light-skinned in order to pass for white. Either way, Nella is the only one within the family to be publicly recognized as black. While she was mixed race, her skin was on the darker side, which caused tension within the family. Despite these tensions, it did seem like her mother Mary did care for her, or at the very least, did ensure that Nella got a good education. Nella and her family ended up moving to an all-white suburb of Chicago, and eventually her father-slash-stepfather, whichever the case may be, ended up becoming a railroad conductor, which allowed the walk- which allowed the Larson family to be fairly middle-class. In 1907, when Nella was 16 years old, she left high school and started, attend- and started attending the all-black Fisk University in Tennessee. She specifically studied at the Normal School at Fisk University, and in the early 1900s, Normal Schools were schools within universities where you would train to be a teacher. And this makes sense. She is a woman. Teaching was one of the few jobs that were open to women at the time. Nella's time at Fisk was the first time she had been away from her family and had been put into an environment that was majority African-American. While she was at Fisk, she really started to think about the racial dynamics of her family and what it was like to grow up as a mixed-race child in an all-white family. And very quickly, young Nella becomes very interested in these dynamics. However, she struggled at Fisk. As it turned out, the university had very strict rules around student dress and behavior, especially when it came to female students. Nella broke one of the dress code rules and got expelled, or maybe she chose to leave the school of her own free will. That detail is unclear. Either way, after a single year at Fisk, Nella decided to move to Denmark in order to learn about her mother's family's background. She spent most of her time in Denmark in Copenhagen and seemed to do fairly well in the city. She either had learned Danish as a child or she picked it up very quickly in her late teens when she was in Copenhagen. The former seems more likely given that people tend to learn languages more easily when they're young. While Nella did enjoy learning about her family's background, she did struggle to fit in in Denmark due to her mixed-race identity, and after a few years, decided that, yeah, no, Europe wasn't for her. So, in 1912, she returned back to the United States, but she decided that she wasn't going to go back to Fisk or back to her family's home in Chicago. Instead, she moved to New York City, where she studied to be a nurse at the Lincoln Hospital. 
Like many hospitals in the United States, the hospital's teaching program was extremely segregated. Only white students could train to be doctors, while all black students were automatically funneled into the nursing program. In 1915, Nella graduated from the nursing program and moved to Alabama, where she was going to work as a nurse at the Tuskegee Institute. As it turned out, the Tuskegee Institute was extremely strict about the behavior of its nurses, like even stricter than Fisk University had been, and the working conditions there were extremely harsh. Long working hours in very poor working conditions. And very quickly, Nella got burnt out. After a year, she returned back to New York City and got a job working at the Lincoln Hospital, where she had been trained. She was working at the hospital in 1918 when the Spanish flu pandemic hit New York City. She did survive the pandemic and would continue working at the hospital through 1919 when the pandemic finally ended. Wow, it'd be nice to have a pandemic that only lasted a single year. Imagine having competent public health policy. And even though she survived the pandemic, she decided that maybe working in public health just wasn't for her. Around the time that she made the decision to leave public health, Nella met and married Elmer Imes, a New York-based physicist. Elmer was super well-known in the African-American scientific community because he was only the second African-American in United States history to have gotten a PhD in physics. Most of his work was focused on quantum theory and infrared spectroscopy, and please do not ask me what that means because I literally have no idea. The last time I took a physics class was when I was a freshman in high school. Despite his talents in physics, he struggled to get a university job. White institutions refused to hire him due to racism, and the majority of black colleges and universities in the United States did not have the resources to create physics departments of their own. As a result, Elmer would mostly work as a consultant for different companies around the New York City area. After their marriage, Nella and Elmer moved to Harlem. They would live on the southern side of the neighborhood in an apartment that was nice, but wouldn't be quite as fancy as the apartments of some of the leading figures of the Harlem Renaissance, such as recent tangent cast subject Queenie St. Clair. Remember, she was working as a nurse at the time, and he was working as a consultant for various companies, so they were both solidly in the African-American middle class. Soon after the move, Nella formally switched jobs from nursing to working as a librarian. She started out working at the 135th Street branch of the New York Public Library before taking a job as a children's librarian for the Lower East Side. As a librarian, she pushed to ensure that her library didn't become segregated. She also worked on bringing in other minority voices to her libraries, such as recent immigrants from the Caribbean. Because of her husband's connections within both the scientific and African-American community, Nella got to meet a lot of major African-American leaders, such as W.E.B. Du Bois 
and cultural figures like Langston Hughes. However, she never quite felt at home with her husband's friends. Most of them came from the African-American middle class and were really focused on their college degrees, and Nella just didn't share that same background. Yes, she did come from a pretty middle-class family, but everyone in her family except her were white, and she never had graduated college, so she felt fairly alienated from them. Despite this level of alienation, she still was interested in the larger Harlem Renaissance scene, especially in the changes in literature that were occurring around her. But when she did go out into the Harlem scene, she tended to be drawn to the more exclusive social clubs as opposed to the nightclubs and cabarets. And when she did get involved in political activity that was associated with the Harlem Renaissance, her interests tended to be focused more on general public health questions which makes sense given her background as a nurse, and she was friends with a lot of NAACP members, but she never quite got fully involved in the NAACP. Also, she was very interested in the more interracial Greenwich Village scene that was popping up at the same time as the Harlem Renaissance. Greenwich Village had a reputation for being a little bit more bohemian, it was more interracial, you did have African-American artists mingling with white artists and people from Europe coming over and hanging out, and she felt like in Greenwich Village she didn't have to defend her lack of a college degree to the same extent that she had to with the luminaries up in Harlem. However, in 1926, one of her close friends from the Greenwich Village scene, Carl Van Vechten, who was a white author and photographer, published a fairly controversial novel called N-Word Heaven, except the original title, obviously, was not just N-Word, that painted African-American life in a very negative light. This put Nella in a very awkward situation because she was part of African-American life in the Harlem, and she did want to push against the purely stereotyped depictions of African-Americans that were continuing to occur in American literature, but on the other hand, unlike people like W.E.B. Du Bois and Jesse Fawcett and Langston Hughes and County Cullen, she didn't necessarily see culture and literature as being part of the larger push towards social equality. She was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. While all this was going on, through her work at the library, Nella became introduced to Edward Williams, the secretary of the all-black university, Howard University, and in 1921, the two worked on creating an art exhibition of African-American art, and it ended up going fairly well. Two years later, in 1923, Nella became the first African-American woman to get a degree from the New York Public Library School, which was part of Columbia University. During her time at the New York Public Library School, she helped organize another exhibition of African-American art with, with past study guide subject 
Jesse Fawcett. This exhibition was the subject of some controversy because it was so explicitly about African-American art and was being hosted and funded by the public library and a lot of wealthy white people in New York City thought that the city shouldn't be giving public money towards African-American art. However, the exhibition ended up being successful enough that the New York public library system decided to make it an annual tradition. Good job, Nella. And around this time, Nella began to write on her own. She had always been a huge reader, but now she was interested in producing some of her own work. She started writing short articles and songs for the magazine The Brownies Book, which Jessie Fawcett had been the editor of, and most of these articles and songs were inspired by her time in Denmark. Then, in 1926, she began publishing short stories for children under the pen name Alan Semi, which was Nala Imes, her married name in reverse, or she sometimes published simply under the name Nella Imes. Her first big break happened when one of her stories got published in Opportunity, which was the magazine for the National Urban League. And then, in 1928, Nella published her first novel, Quicksand, which dealt with issues around gender and being mixed-raced in the United States. Quicksand was published by Knopf, which was and still is a mainstream United States publisher, and it got great reviews. It ended up winning the Harmon Foundation Bronze Medal for Literature, and as a fine and as a fun side note, the Harmon Foundation Awards had come out of the New York Public Library exhibits that Nella had helped organizing. Because she won this bronze medal, Nella also won an $100 prize, which is about $1,500 today, which, yeah, isn't a ton of money, but not bad for the first ever prize that Nella had won. Even more excitingly, for this prize, Nella beat out some super established and famous writers, including W.E.B. Du Bois. She did lose the first prize to Claude McKay in what was considered to be a really controversial decision. The piece that McKay won for in 1928, Home to Harlem, wasn't particularly well received, and a lot of people in 1928 felt like McKay only won because he was on because he was already a well-established author and had won on the strength of his previous works, even though the Harmon Foundation Medal was supposed to be given for the singular work, and that McKay had an unfair advantage over Nella because of that. Even though Nella didn't win the first prize, she was still thrilled to win the bronze medal for the first book she had written. And after winning the bronze medal, she was supposed to go on a short speaking tour, but she had to cancel the tour at the last minute because she became sick with the flu. Even though she couldn't go on her tour, she did get to go to the award ceremony after, which was a big deal. 
Promptly after winning the award, Nella went back to writing and working for the library system. She ended up getting a transfer to a different branch within the library system. This time, she was working on the Lower East Side, which meant that she wasn't able to spend as much time in Harlem as she might have liked, but this did not slow down her writing. The next year, she published another novel, Passing, which dealt with similar issues around being mixed race in the United States. Passing got even better reviews than Quicksand, and this time it was well-reviewed by white critics as well. And obviously, the opinion of white critics shouldn't matter, but the fact that white critics also liked the book meant that white audiences were willing to read the book, which meant that the sales were really good, which meant that Nella made money. As an interesting side note, unlike Quicksand, the author's biography for the first edition of Passing didn't really mention Nella's husband, which I thought was really interesting from the perspective of female identity in the late 1920s. So things are looking great for Nella. In two years, she has written two books that were amazingly well-reviewed. She's a rising literary star. However, soon after Passing was published, she gave an interview for a major literary column where she got totally misquoted, especially on her thoughts about anti-racism activism. Basically, the columnist suggested that Nella thought that segregation and unequal treatment of African Americans was not a big deal, which Nella did not believe at all. This column caused quite the scandal within the African-American community, which really shouldn't be that much of a surprise. However, Nella did manage to explain how she really felt about racism in later interviews, but it was a little bit messy and a little bit touch and go for a few weeks there. Because of passing, Nella suddenly was a huge deal. She was a celebrity in Harlem, and she started getting recognized as Nella Larson instead of Nella Imes, which was huge for a married woman at the time. The next year, in 1930, she was asked to write a short story for the well-known magazine Forum, and she did that. She published a short story called Sanctuary, and when it was published, it made a pretty big impression with her audiences because it was the first time that Nella had written in Southern dialect, and instead of talking about her usual themes of being mixed-raced and the African-American middle class, it instead focused on life in the Deep South and non-mixed-raced African-Americans. Soon after Sanctuary was published, people started accusing Nella of plagiarizing another short story called Mrs. Aldis by an English author, Sheila K. Smith, that had been published eight years earlier. K. Smith and her publishers said that Nella's story was fully original, and Nella publicized a bunch of her drafts to prove that her story was in fact based on original ideas. However, the drama around whether or not Sanctuary was plagiarized caused enough of a scandal that it froze her writing process and totally destroyed her confidence. She would never publish another piece of writing again. While this plagiarism drama is playing out, 
the same time, Nella found out that she had been passed over for the 1929 Harmon Foundation Award despite the success of passing. Okay, fine. This passing over happened on a technicality because in the rules of the award, it says you couldn't win if you had won an award the year before, which was what happened in Nella's case. Remember, she had won a bronze in 1928, so she couldn't be nominated in 1929. But still, the fact that she didn't win in 1929 was totally devastating to her. And to make matters even worse, the same time that all this is happening, her husband went to Fisk University for a work project, and while he was down in Tennessee, Nella found out that he had been having an affair. When it rains, it pours. There was a single upside to all of this. In 1930, Nella ended up winning a Guggenheim Fellowship in Literature. She was the fourth African-American and first African-American woman to win the fellowship for literature. And while this was huge for Nella, the win was fairly controversial in the literary community at large due to the plagiarism scandal. But Nella wasn't going to let this stop her. With the money from the fellowship, she decided to take a little solo vacation to Spain and France where she could start work on a third novel, escape from the plagiarism scandal, and get over the fact that her husband was cheating on her. And she had a fairly good time on this vacation. While she was in Mallorca, she started a little flirtation with a Scottish man she met named Norman Cameron, who was known in England for being extremely anti-colonial, specifically being opposed to the English colonies in Africa, and she did eventually finish the book she'd been working on, which was called Mirage, but no publishers were willing to publish it because of this plagiarism scandal, and it was still um, and it's still unpublished to this day. When Nella came back to the United States, she returned to a country that was deep into the Great Depression. In addition to having to deal with all the economic turmoil of being in the Great Depression, she was also having to deal with career trouble. As it turned out, White publishers were no longer willing to risk money on African-American writers, and her publisher dropped her. Suddenly, Nella's writing career was over. And Elmer was becoming more and more public with his various affairs, and some of his affairs were with white women, which was a total slap in the face to Nella. In 1933, she made the decision to divorce Elmer. However, as part of the divorce proceedings, she did get alimony from him, and he would continue paying alimony until his death in 1941. After Elmer died and the alimony dried up, Nella had to come up with some way to make money. Initially, she considered going back to writing, but that clearly wasn't an option anymore, so she returned back to her first career, which was nursing. Nella would continue to work as a nurse until her death. Nella Larson died on March 30th, 1964, at the age of 72 in New York City. Apparently, she had been dead for about a week before her body was found. At the time of her death, 
two unfinished manuscripts were found in her apartment, but neither were considered to be in a publishable state, and neither of them have ever been published. So let's talk a little bit about Nella Larson's writing. Nella Larson only wrote two novels and a few articles in her lifetime. Both of her novels were super well-reviewed, but due to the plagiarism scandal, she stopped getting published after her second book, and her books really fell out of the public conversation until the 1970s when they became trendy, I guess. That's sort of the wrong way to phrase them, but in the 1970s, they began re-entering curriculums again due to the way Nella Larson wrote about gender and race in conversation with each other. Nella's first novel, Quicksand, tells the story of a young mixed-race woman named Helga. Helga's father was Black from the West Indies, and her mother is Danish. If this sounds incredibly autobiographical, well, it is. Quicksand is considered to be the more autobiographical of Nella Larson's two books. Within Quicksand, Helga's mother dies when she's young, and her father ends up abandoning her. The novel looks at Helga's physical journeys that she goes on as she tries to determine what her identity is, as well as her search for a husband who understands her. The novel ends with her marrying a black preacher and moving to the South. Quicksand really focuses on the double difficulties of being a woman and black and feeling like you don't fully fit into either the African-American world or the white world. And then there is Passing, the novel that Nella Larson is the most famous for. Passing is the story about a woman named Irene, who is a light-skinned mixed-race woman who reconnects with her childhood friend Claire, who is also mixed-race and is so light-skinned that she is able to pass for white and is married to a wealthy but extremely racist white man. The two friends reconnect, and their reconnection creates tension and tragedy. Nella Larson's work has a bunch of different themes. Overall, she wasn't writing just for the sake of promoting various political ideas around racial equality, and she also wasn't interested in just focusing on the idea of the emancipated woman that a lot of her contemporaries in the first wave feminist movement, such as the suffragettes, were writing about. In fact, Nella Larson thought that writing books that were solely political was sort of a stupid idea. Instead, she was very interested in looking at the intersection of race, class, and gender, which meant that things in her books were going to be more complex and usually not all that happy an outcome. Specifically, Nella Larson was interested at looking at how class and gender could play into ideas around racial loyalty and what could happen when those strict boundaries got disrupted via passing, aka when African-American women looked like white women and could pass between the two different communities. So, the so that's what Nella Larson's fairly limited body of work looked like. For those fans of the podcast who prefer four bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's do a quick recap of Nella Larson's life. Nella Larson was born in 1891 in Chicago, Illinois. 
Her father was a black cook from the West Indies, and her mother was a 22-year-old seamstress from Denmark. Soon after Nella was born, her father straight up vanished, and her mother remarried a white man named Peter Larson, who maybe was, in fact, Nella's biological father after a name and identity change. Either way, Nella grew up in a white family as the only non-white family member, which caused quite a bit of tension even within the relatively progressive northern city of Chicago. In 1907, when she was 16 years old, Nella began attending college at the all-black Fisk University in Tennessee, where she was training to be a teacher. After a year at Fisk, Nella was either expelled or decided to leave, and she went to Denmark to learn more about her mother's side of the family. In 1912, she returned back to the United States, moved to New York City, and studied to be a nurse. In 1915, she graduated from her nursing training and moved to Alabama to work at the Tuskegee Institute. As it turned out, Nella and the Tuskegee Institute weren't the best fit, so Nella moved back up to New York to be a nurse there, right in time for the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Nella survived the pandemic, which is good, otherwise this would have been a very short study guide, but decided that public health wasn't for her and she would like to be a librarian. Thank you very much. Luckily, right as she was making this choice, she met and fell in love and married Elmer Imes, a New York-based African-American physicist who was well-known in the African-American and scientific community, but due to racial prejudices at the time, struggled to get an academic job. The couple moved to Harlem, where they were going to be fairly involved in the cultural scene, although Nella felt like she never quite fit in because unlike a lot of other members of the Harlem Renaissance, she was not from an African-American middle-class family. Instead, she was from a white middle-class family and because she never graduated from college. In 1923, Nella became the first African-American woman to, to get a degree from the New York Public Library School, and she started working in various libraries in New York City. During her time at library school, she helped organize a controversial but successful exhibit about African-American art that would eventually lead to the creation of the Harmon Foundation Awards. In 1926, Nella started publishing short stories, and two years later, she published her first novel, Quicksand, which dealt with issues around gender and being mixed race in the United States. Quicksand was a huge success. It ended up winning the Harmon Foundation Bronze Medal for literature. Remember, Nella was indirectly responsible for the creation of the award, and she beat out some big names when she won that award. The next year, Nella published another novel, which would be her most famous novel and her last novel, Passing, which also dealt with issue, which also dealt with gender and being mixed race in the United States. Passing was a huge sensation, and suddenly everyone was talking about Nella. It was great, although she did give a fairly controversial interview to a literary column that made it seem like she didn't think that racism was a big deal, even though Nella definitely thought that racism was a big deal. 
the next year, she won a Guggenheim. Hooray! She was the first African-American woman in history to win a Guggenheim Fellowship for Literature, found out that her husband was cheating on her boo, and got caught up in a plagiarism scandal, even though she almost certainly did not plagiarize. Giant boo. This plagiarism scandal would basically lead to Nella never publishing a piece of fiction again. To get away from the whole plagiarism scandal, Nella took a little trip to Europe where she ended up dating a cute Scottish man, and by the time she came back to the United States, she decided that, yeah, her writing career was over, mostly because no publishers were willing to work with her anymore. Two years later, she and her husband divorced because of his cheating, and Nella became a bit of a recluse, surviving mostly on alimony checks from her husband. After her husband died, she returned to nursing, a career she would keep until her death in 1964 at the age of 72. While Nella Larson only ever published two novels, both of her novels were huge hits at the time, and she really broke some big glass ceilings for African-American novelists and African-American women at large. Passing especially should still, Passing especially is still, I think, a really important novel, and I do think it should be considered part of the, Af part of the American canon. It should be on, if not high school reading lists, college reading lists. I personally haven't read it. I know I am a problematic white girl who's suggesting books that I haven't read, but it is on my reading list. I actually have downloaded an ebook copy from a questionable source of legality, and I'm very excited to read it during my next, like, break in life, and I would highly suggest that everyone read it too. That's been one of my favorite parts of doing this study guide series on women from the Harlem Renaissance. It's introduced me to so many female authors who I had never heard of before, and it's just expanding my repertoire so, so much. And that's why I'm so glad I decided to do this series. It turns out when you go outside of people who look like you, there is a lot to learn, which I know sounds so basic and so problematic, but it's true. Anyways, most of my research for this episode came from the Nella Larson article in Black History Now, Daryl Pickney's article on Nella Larson, the Nella Larson entry in the biobibliography of American women writers, and George Hutchinson's book In Search of Nella Larson, a biography of the color line. As always, for a full list of sources and relevant images, you can visit the website at sadgirlstudyguides.com. Dot com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguides at gmail.com. Next time, I'm going to be covering the poetess Gwendolyn Bennett. As always, if you want to help the podcast out financially, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash sadgirlstudyguides. Our tiers start at $1 a month, and for $1 a month, you get access to a bunch of cool things, like our bi-weekly tangent casts, where I cover people, places, and things that didn't quite fit in to our normal study guide subjects. For, 
example, last week I talked about Queenie St. Clair, who was one of Harlem's mob queens. She was super rad, and their higher tiers where you got access to other cool prizes. Um, your financial support means a lot, but I also know right now with COVID, things are a little harder, so if you can't donate, I also totally get it. If you want to reach out to the podcast on social media, we're available on Twitter at Sad Girl Study Pod and on Instagram at Sad Girl Study. As always, the best way to help the podcast grow is to tell a friend or to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And please let us know how we're doing. Rate or review, or else we'll be sad. Thanks. Bye.